0: to making comics a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives i'm keith foster i write the comic kadoja and the upcoming comic three protectors
1: and i am scott loss the creator and artist of the second shift and
0: wanders of melisanda for the accidental aliens and it is episode goddamn 50 look, look at us what is that like the platinum or some shit <laughs> you know like like I don't know i I don't know any of those damn things. I don't think podcasts follow standard anniversary rules now that I think about it, but yeah, man, we did it, so you know it I don't know it, it's tough because you know god, God damn it, that year just had to have fifty two weeks in it, didn't it? oh so right. <laughs> you know we we're we're celebrating a near year, but we're celebrating fifty episodes, and that's I want to lead with something very important, which is you don't notice a difference on this call scott but you as in the people's listening back to this should notice something wonderful and glorious which is i fixed my fucking usb input into my computer now, you might notice something visual, Scott, which is I am back on my microphone I used for you know the first, let's say, 40 episodes. I'm no longer tilted sideways in the portable mic with a blanket over the Super 7 Boba Fett for a sound <laughs> barrier, because I am back with high motherfucking podcast quality audio. So I'm very excited. Nice. I'm very excited. It was that... Um, audio from last episode that really did. The last two episodes by my standards my audio has been terrible. So thank you all to listening for listening to it. It may not have been that big a deal to you, but it was a huge deal to me and it motivated me to just buy a new USB microphone input for my computer and god damn it that solved everything. So uh so here we are. Here we are. Nice. Uh what are you what are you drinking?
1: I am back on it. I'm back on the bandwagon. I got my Kirkland hard seltzer. I was texting you yesterday. That I was going a little not not overly hard in the paint, but uh, you know I was I was venturing in there a little bit. Uh, I I went to my buddy's house to watch the first game, first Lakers game of the season, and he has a Harlan subscription, so he's always getting these limited edition beers. And um, man, if he wasn't cracking them all open. And uh, I was definitely sending you pictures of all the ones that I was drinking. So I thought I would go uh, light today and get back on brand and go to Kirkland. And we're going with the grapefruit today.
0: Yeah. Well, you kept on sending pictures and it was like and, and whatever one you sent, it was some insane one. It was like a milkshake IPA with bits of cookie in it and macadamia and some shit. And I was just like, what is that? And can I have 30, you know, <laughs> uh, so that one looked amazing. Um, and again, we'll we'll take a look and see if we can join this this cool club for cool people. Cause I'd like to see if that's a thing, but, um, but yeah, man, you kept texting me beers. And at one point I texted you, I was like, how many goddamn beers are you drinking, man? <laughs> like it was on four at least. I was, and then you're like, yeah, your buddy drinks a little bit and then gives the rest to you. And I'm like, well, I'm no genius, but the rest of multiple beers is, is quite a lot of alcohol intake. So anyway, yeah, as for me, I switched it up, bitch. And, uh, and we're going to talk about this, but I am drinking sake. Oh. Because when we get to the uh my part of the podcast, when I talk about my week, I did the San Diego Metal Swap Meet. The host is a place called Setting Sun Sake Brewing Company. You can see that this sake is like it's on some pomegranate shit or something. So, um so yeah, we'll see how much of this I drink. It is a 12-ounce bottle of 12% alcohol. I'm not sure it's intended to be drank in one sitting, so we'll just see how it goes. You know, the... The vibe with beer is different for me than the vibe with sake, as with a lot. You know, it's like sake, I just take a little bit, I sip, and then I kind of chug a lot of water. So um, so anyway, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, this man. one is, it is a special sake that was made just for the Metal Swap meat. It was brewed with a band that I have not heard of called Cave Bastard. And <laughs> the sake name is the sake of discreation. So uh, it is good. And it is very sake-ish. So uh, I'm excited and uh, switching it up, switching it up. So anyway, with that said, you get to set it off with how your week was, man. What was the first thing you did this week?
1: I would say the biggest thing of the week. I always like to lead with the biggest thing because I don't want uh, this part to be something people always want to fast forward because it's like, oh, he's doing that again, you know. Um, So my biggest thing would be packing all of these Kickstarter books. So uh, last we checked in, Keith was over. The books had came in that same day. I was unboxing them with him, drinking some beers, having some pizzas, and um, uh, finally packed them all uh, this week. So the past three days, I've been packing books, labeling books. It was just like, I don't know, kind of these like little minor errors here and there. So uh, just I'm, for the listeners out there, I'm in the process of moving fully into my, my girlfriend's place and so which means all of the labels that I had were down south at my place which is like a 30 minute drive out of the way and um so luckily enough uh, she was able to print me some labels up but that was like a two-day thing it was like oh man I I was able to print labels and uh I was like I just printed everyone else's labels I didn't print my return labels and then she goes well I can print those and then so you know she'll go into the office and she ended up doing that so just that process (laughs) that was one thing and then um A lot of my packing material was down south, so and I had, over the weekend, went to my place and grabbed it, but when I was there, I forgot to grab uh, the mailing envelopes. I forgot to grab the labels, so it was just like these little things that just didn't line up during the week that I had to go back and forth and and get all these extraneous uh, little pieces to put it all together, so uh, the good news is that part is all done as of today, I went to the post office. It took a legitimate hour to mail all of this stuff out. One lady was helping me. She was elderly. Um, uh, To her credit, she was pretty proficient, but it was just a long process. She wasn't moving quite fast, but everything she was doing, it was with intent, and uh, she got it all done.
0: Yeah, man. I remember, I don't know if I shared this, but when I went to the post office to mail off my Kickstarter, it was like that. In fact, I had, like, I had obsessed over calculating what the best time to go was to inconvenience as few people as possible. That's exactly so what I, made I did the, too. Yep. I made the decision that I was going to go at around two 30 or three o'clock because lunch is a no, no. Um, in, in general, the reason I think lunch is a no, no at the post office is because the post office workers take their break. So, you know, like they take lunch and as a result, you can get some crazy ass lines, you know? So, uh, it's always better to kind of go before or after lunch. And uh, I didn't want to go before because I just felt like people might have stuff to do. Where if, if you're going to a post office at 2.30 or 3 o'clock, mm, not sure you're really inconveniencing the old day job. You know, so uh, so yeah, I kind of went with that and and I guessed right that time. I um, I had one person help me, but they were so overwhelmed. Like they just kind of made a comment and then somebody next to them actually helped so I actually had two people ringing up separate tabs oh, wow. for all of my packages. Yeah, it worked out awesome. And not only that, but like not that many people showed up. So it was dead enough to where that person was able to help out, which was killer, which was killer.
1: Yeah, that that was like me today. Um, I did the same thing, very strategic planning when it comes to that. So if you guys are out there and you're, you're doing the Kickstarter thing and doing a mass exodus of books at the same time at the post office, try to think of that. Try to think of, uh, you know, the lines and everything like. I know what it's like to be behind the guy that has 25 to 50 packages he's mailing out, and I have this one thing. I got a VR code, so I just need them to scan my my VR code, and I'm out. And uh, you know, so so I get it. Today I went at 10:30, so mm. for me, same same logic. Um, by 10:30, most people should be at work. So and it's fresh enough in the day where the workers themselves. Don't feel exhausted. They haven't been at work all day long, so they see this asshole coming in with, uh, you know, fifty books, and they're just like, "Come on, man! Like, I got yeah. one hour left, or whatever. I don't know their hours, whatever hours they keep, right?" Yeah. So I was like, ten thirty. They should be pretty fresh, and I think everyone should be at work, and I guess pretty well. Um, there was three people in front of me, and only one lady ended up behind me while while I was in line. Hmm. And luckily, there was two workers, so I didn't. I didn't want to let, like, this sounds like a dick thing, but, like, I didn't want to let the lady in front of me. For one, she was being kind of, like, she wanted to go to the front of the line to ask questions and stuff. And I kind of get it. But, like, the questions she asked were, like, where the certified mail things were. And it's just, like, if if she would have just looked around, she would have saw the counter full of forms uh, behind her. Yeah. And that's what they told her. And so it was, like, she was kind of holding up the process. And uh, I was, like, I was debating on letting her go in front of me. And I'm, like, you know what? There's two workers there she's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I let her in, then the next person comes in and then like, then what? Right. So it's just yeah. like, I also have shit to do. Um, so if it was one worker, I would have, I probably would have let her in front of me, but since there was two people, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, so, so the lady got through it relatively quickly and, uh, you know, it, it's an experience. It's going to take some time and, And, um, luckily this one, I had already mailed some stuff out, but there has been times where I've legit brought a hundred books and I've had that same experience where the worker was just like, oh man, come on. Like, and I was like, Hey, I get it. I
0: get it. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. There are, there are ways around that. Um, you know, what's interesting is I'm not sure like out of all the Kickstarters I've backed, I'm the only one who's ever done hand addressed stuff but there there are some places where you can do the whole mail from home thing Uh, you know, that's something that I'll look into for my next Kickstarter because I just like the professional look of like a printed label. And I do think it makes it easier, but there's some setup you have to do there to make sure it all works. So, uh, I got, I got to like third base on it and then I was like, nah, I'll just hand address these labels and go from there. So anyway, all right, well, cool, man. So the Kickstarter box is checked. You mailed them out. You said yesterday, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: I got everything out except for one guy, but he always backs the project. I, I hit him up on uh, MySpace, or MySpace, hello, Facebook. MySpace, <laughs> I, on the on the
0: AOL? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, doing the whole dial-up thing, and uh, it got through this morning to him. So, Great. no, yeah, I hit him up on Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and uh, he responded today. So, his is the last to go out. Uh, another one was a comic shop employee, a Southern California comic book uh, worker there, uh, Dennis. So, Dennis always backs my projects, and... Today was a new comic book day. So I was like, you know what? Got to go get my books anyway. So I'm just going to walk this into them. So brought it uh, hand delivered.
0: Rock and roll, man. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So for me, my first um, thing this week is I will talk about the San Diego Metal Swap Meet. So that's what I did this past weekend. Um, And I'll just do my best to encapsulate the experience. So my, my overlying thing about it is it was pretty chill right? Which is funny for something that's considered like the the metal swap meet, you know, no one thinks of a metal swap meet as being chill. But there are a couple of things that contribute to that. I think number one, it's in San Diego, it's hard to find, I think, a less metal town in the United States than San Diego, <laughs> because of how laid back it is, you know, but then again, that might make it the perfect town for the for the metal swap meet, you know, but um, the other thing that had had to do with it is that uh, where I was, so it's, it's, it's in a uh, one of those uh, office parks that you tend to find like micro breweries and a coffee shop or two, oh, okay. and maybe a little bit of light industry. Right. Mm-hmm. So in fact, there were two breweries of beer and this sake place, sake place in the same area. Right. And then there was also a coffee shop. And so the front of the swap meet was around those breweries. Right. I was in the back of the swap meet. So you had to walk all the way around as if you were basically parking in the back of one of these places. Oh, interesting. and, uh, And so it, you know, it didn't, I mean, yeah, the foot traffic wasn't super high, but it wasn't as high as it was at the, at the entrance, but there were still plenty of people, you know, and, uh, and, you know, to know me is to know that I'm not particularly foot traffic dependent, you know, like. My stuff caters to a very specific audience and, you know, those people walk around. And again, if you're paying to get into a metal swap meet, well, then you probably want to walk around, you know. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah, that made it pretty chill, which was cool. Um, and, you know, the, I mean, again, it, it was, there were moments where there was activity at my booth and there were moments where there wasn't, there were chunks of time where nothing was really going on. But what was cool about it is it wasn't exactly hot. Um, it wasn't exactly cool, but wasn't exactly hot. But man, I remember sitting there in the afternoon and I just caught this little nice blast of breeze. And I'm like, this is pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it's, it's, I'm at a metal swap meet and I'm surrounded by things that are metal, including some things that are mine. And I'm just catching this cool breeze and I'm in San Diego and it's a great day. It's a great day. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, Sales were pretty good. You know, I shared the numbers with you. Mm-hmm. I, I had the intent of kind of selling some records from my personal collection to, to make back the table, which I did, and then some. And then I had some interest in Kadojo, which was great. You know, I do feel there's a natural intersection there. You know, giant monsters and horror and metal uh, definitely kind of all intersect in the same place. You know, most giant monster fans come from a place of horror. I'm a little bit different because I come from a place of, you know, Star Wars and comics, essentially, kind of sci-fi action, if you want to say that instead of horror, but um, but yeah, man, it was it was great. And then afterwards, I actually we'll see. I'm not going to get into the details of it. Maybe I'll get into the details of it if something becomes of it. But by simply closing down my booth and then going to have some sake at Setting Sun Sake, I um, I was started chopping it up with the owner. And, uh, and then ended up finding out about a potential product release that they have coming out that might tie in with something that, that I do, you know? So there's a chance there might be like a little mini swap meet at this place or a launch event or something like that. And uh, I might be there with one of my books. So nice. it was. It all started just from talking, oh, why are you here? Oh, I have a booth. I do this. I write these, you know, all that stuff. One thing leads to another. And before you know it, you might, you might have a little future thing lined up. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Awesome.
1: Yeah, that's the equivalent to um, the, the comic con after dark or uh, or um, what do they call it? Bar con. You know, if you do comic conventions, usually there's a bar or a hotel lobby, which has a bar, obviously. Um, and people from the industry go to there and they congregate and they, you know, just chop it up about random things or whatever. And a lot of deals get done there. And that's something yeah. you hear about a lot in the, the comic convention Uh, or the comic scene. So it's nice to see that it happens with uh, other things as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool, really cool. So anyway, I mean, I'm trying to think if there was anything in particular – above that for an observation but no no it was it was awesome it was chill it was very metal and uh, i'm looking forward to it when it comes back next year
1: yeah and profitable like you shared, yeah, with, you totally. shared your num- numbers with me and i was yeah, like sharing. yeah yeah fucking a i was like that's a nice little weekend right there so yeah exactly not exactly. too bad cool. yeah man.
0: hell yeah man cool. so uh so what was your second thing
1: um okay so going back to draw tober uh any kind of lead that i built is gone so <laughs> <laughs> the um the weekends are tough with that because there's so much to do there's so many things going on events that you have to go to you know it's just uh you know life life stuff let's just say that so life stuff happened and any kind of uh yeah lead i had is now gone i released today's drawing uh around noon and i have the Uh, tomorrow's sketched out but it's nowhere near done so i'll be after this you know we're, we're gonna have dinner do a little jacuzzi time and then after that i'm gonna spend the rest of the night trying to knock out tomorrow's page uh so that'll be interesting um i think i can get it done and um i think the final image that will actually be in the book it might be different than this one so if you guys followed along last year there was some images that I released it the day of, and then when it made it into the book, those images were changed a bit, like a character's face was different, or, you know, added some stuff, or changed the dimension, and so this is going to be one of those instances where I think I'm going to like the image enough, but I think there's going to be adjustments there.
0: Man, you're just going to be going day-to-day for the rest of the month here then, huh?
1: Pretty much. Um, I got the rest of the days laid out, so there might be a couple that are quicker than others. So on those days, those are the ones that I'm going to try to do like a two-in-one, try to do two days in in that day. So maybe try to build up at least a one-day buffer uh, because there's just so much to to do. Now that the Kickstarter stuff is behind me, it makes me want to tackle the lettering for Second Shift 10. It's just like, okay, that book's drawn, it's colored. Those are the two, when you're creating a comic book, those are the two biggest obstacles, is drawing it and coloring it. And so since those are out of the way, well, we got to check out Ed's script and see what still makes sense and then see what needs to be added, what needs to be taken away. So, uh, and then you do the onomatopoeia, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. And uh, the, Shadunk. the yeah, brain, exactly. the brainstorming, the brainstorming of the onomatopoeia. And so, uh, floo flu <laughs>
0: Chickaw? why yeah. would anyone ever say that you don't know what you're doing um, what what sound in nature makes <laughs> you dumb dumb fuck.
1: <laughs> a uh unicorn flying it's a pegasus <laughs> i guess huh so um can i put a
0: unicorn in a book and make it go flu flu absolutely you could and <laughs> i think amazing. it would
1: be the appropriate noise So, so yeah, man. So that's, that's the next thing on the plate. So I want to build up a couple of days. And so that way it's like, okay, bang that out and then hop on the lettering with lettering. If I don't have too much other things going on, I can probably do, if I have nothing else going on that day, I could do about five pages a day so I can knock the lettering out in in four days. Right. Uh, But if I'm doing other things, I might be able to do uh, two or three. So we'll, we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's right where I am with lettering too, and lettering is a far cry away from you know where I am right now because I don't have any book particularly close to completion, but uh, it's something that'll be in my future for sure. For my second thing, I want to get back to the novel a little bit because this is one of those meandering points that that kind of kind of gets somewhere. I hope by the end of it. By the way, you mentioned something, and I, I wanted to. To tack on that, you know, you mentioned getting your drawing buffer up for Drawtoberfest and buffer. It's a great time to remind listeners that we've now built up our buffer a little bit, because even though we're talking about Drawtober by my calendar, this comes out November 1st or November 2nd or whatever it is. Yeah, November 1st. So we will be into November and that's going to play into kind of my my thought process. Right, because I was taught. Okay, so here's where I am with the novel. I'm, I'm on basically, let's call it the climactic day. I have some stuff. I'm, I'm at the end. I'm either at the, you know, if you want to call it act two to three turning point. Um, again, a lot of this stuff is written, but I still have some structural changes to make some, you know, let's call it molting, right? I have to kind of go from the old form to the new form. And it's, it's a particularly headache inducing stretch because I'm trying to make sure all these things line up, trying to drop in as many things, have the right balance of everything, and also kind of restructure the things that I've built up to and the things that will catapult it to to the to the book's end, and um and so it's been frustrating because it's just been like I get my hour in and I'm just like woo man that was a grind you know I'm I'm not I'm I'm not loving it but you know you got to push through it sometimes and uh, and then randomly I was thinking about drawtober. And how, you know, again, since we're kind of on our uh, approaching our first lap of the podcast here, we had one of our early episodes. It was called uh, October is for artists and November is for writers. Right. And uh, as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, November's right around the corner. And the writer thing about November that they all latch on to, it's like our drawtober is the national novel month. And the intent is you write a novel in a month. You start on day one. And you write the fucking thing. First draft, of course, you know, unless you're, unless you're amazing. And even if you are amazing, it's still a first draft. Um, and then by the end of November, you have yourself a novel, right? Depending on how hard you want to you wanna push it. And, uh, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of, mm, you know, treading water. You know, pushing through, but treading water, and I'm not pleased with my own progress. So what I decided was, I am going to personally make, you know, just like you've repurposed October to your own purpose, I decided that this year I am going to finish this draft of the novel in November. That is what I'm going to do. And, um, and it's funny because immediately by doing that, it lifted things. It's like, okay, now, now I've set a date, you know, and it, it goes back to one of those famous adages, you know, people don't uh, plan to fail, they just fail to plan. And, uh, and I feel like for me just having this end date of like draft number five in all of its iterations and changes. And I have a few, I have a few smaller changes to do after the big structural change that's going to take me to the end. Um, but knowing that I'm going to say I'm done November 30th and that's that very, it, it's, it's kind of brought me up a little bit, you know? So, um, so I was, I, I'm happy about that. And I was even thinking that, you know what, next year, for 2022, I might I might do one of these write the novel in a month things I might, you know, like just like you're planning to leverage October for your own purposes going forward. I'm going to leverage November for my own purposes going forward. You know, last year it was like, oh, yeah, people do that in November, but I have a novel I'm working on already and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, what if I can combine the two and combine, you know, write a novel in, in a month, month with uh, with the work that I'm already doing and see if I can push myself to kind of a higher level of, of productivity um. Yeah.
1: yeah. That. Yeah. That's. That reminds me of the first year that I heard of Inktober, or or even thought about doing it. I think. I think I heard it. Okay. So last year was my first drawtober. The year prior was the second time I had heard of Inktober. I. I think I heard about it. Um. A year was that 2018 was the first time I ever heard about it, and I was like, oh, that's all right. Well, that's interesting, but I got I got stuff to do. You know, I got books mm-hmm. to books to do. I don't have time to mess around. And then uh, the following year, 2019, that was the year where I was just like, hey, I think I think next year I'm going to actually repurpose it and I'm going to create my own comic. I was like, that might be cool to like link all of this stuff together. And then that's when all the lawsuit crap happened. And I'm like, all right, fucking Tober, I'm going to do something else. Uh, Tristan Whitehouse suggested the draw Tober thing. And uh, that works works out for me and so yeah sometimes it takes a couple of years to just kind of wrap your head around the thing and go oh that's interesting you know like you were saying it's like oh that's interesting but uh, I'm in the middle of this novel and you know and then yeah. this year you're like yeah I think I'll you yeah, I'll, I'll make my make sure my fifth draft is done and then you know the next year you're like yeah the whole thing will be start to finish and then exactly. yeah and then that's just kind of like I think you know, the few months prior to that, that's when the brainstorming happens. And like, that's, yeah. that's what I need to do. Like, yeah. like, you know, the, the quote that you just said, it makes so much sense that I wouldn't be able to do this if I didn't plan for it. Like yeah. if, if I didn't plan out the book a month or so beforehand, uh, you know, then I would fail. You know, if it's just you're just doodling something because there's a prompt or something, that's one thing. But if you're actually trying to make it a productive time of year for you, yeah, planning is key.
0: Exactly. No, that and that's that's perfectly said, perfectly said. And uh, so I I wanted to mention actually one other thing, Um, you know, I don't know why I just thought of this, probably because the sake is starting to hit. But maybe in future years, you and I can experiment with October and do Yo mama tober. And we can do your mama jokes every day. For that <laughs> October. Anyway, that's just a thought. Just a thought. That's fine. But, um, but what I was going to say about November is that, you know, I went ahead and I liked the idea so much that I created a hard date for myself. And uh, and that date is in early December. So I am doing back to back comic conventions. I'm doing San Diego Comic Con um, special edition, or whatever you call it, which is Thanksgiving weekend, Friday through Sunday. And then the next weekend, I am turning it right around and I am going to Emerald City Comic Con. Oh wow! So after yeah, so after that, I mean, it's just the way it falls, you know. So um, anyway. After that, what I decided is, and, you know, this obviously falls at the end of November, I decided that something I have never done, I've always done, like, little partial things, and, um, and, but I'm going to go ahead and do it for full, is there's a weekend where I'm going to have a lot of time to myself. And, uh, and I decided that, for once, I'm actually going to book, like, a one-day writer retreat for myself. I am going to leave the house and and stay somewhere. And I'm gonna stay I've, I've already selected the place, I'll, I'll tell you offline. and um, and just go there, basically drive kind of up early one day, drive home late the next day, and just obsess with writing stuff. And it'll be my own incentive because if i if I do this novel in a month November, if I finish my draft by the end of November, then what that will allow me to do is take a take a little bit of time off, distance myself from the book. And then crack it open fresh and go in with what should be the final draft, right? Nice. The, this This next draft should be the final draft because I intend to get the structure right here or at least mostly right so that the only changes I'm going to be making are minor tweaks and language and just nothing but language obsessing over like how to make the sentences as good as possible. And so that would be the entire sixth draft and that'll take me through to whenever I'm done. But, uh, but yeah, I, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, let me just bribe myself, with, incentivize myself with a nice little thing that becomes like a little personal writer retreat, which, you know, I've never really done. So anyway, so we'll, we'll see how that goes.
1: Oh, that sounds very cool, man. Like I would love to do something like that. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's just needed. It's needed to get away from everything, just separate yourself from everybody and just focus. And, uh, it's hard to do when, when you have a family, a wife and kids and, you know, you got a full-time job and everything it's, it's hard. You got all these responsibilities and, uh, it's all about making that time. So actually booking those that time for yourself, it, it sounds like a great plan.
0: Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's like an extended version of what we've talked about with airplanes. You know, if you're on an airplane for three hours, I mean, again, that's two hours more than the amount of time I give myself or an hour and a half more, maybe, maybe, you know, again, I, I give myself one to two hours every day to focus on creative stuff. Well, if you're on a plane for three, you, that's already, it's like one and a half days to you, you know? So, uh, so I like that kind of stuff because again, it's, yeah, you're busy and yeah, you're doing this, but you're also stuck on a plane with nothing else to do. So why not create? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, anyway, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. And it, it, sure enough, it's given me some energy to just attack this novel where I did not have any two days ago. So simply by thinking of this and sticking a sign in the ground at the end of November, I'm ready to roll. Nice. Um, yeah. I got,
1: yeah. I got one more thing. It's super small, super fast. Do you have anything else?
0: Mm, Tiny things, yeah.
1: Okay. So so my last thing is I finally got a note back by one of my clients that uh, very famous wrestler that I'm going to be doing the toy of, we got the approvals back. So the stuff that I did is ready to roll. Uh, one is completely uh, completely done. The other one needs a side profile shot and a back shot. And then that one will be done and that'll be wrapped up. So it's nice to finally get the approval. I had a feeling that it would get approved, but uh, uh, good to know. And I'll be wrapping that up.
0: Rock and roll. Rock and roll. And in my case, uh, I'm getting back pencils for Kadoja volume four, number one. And uh, I think I shared, I shared one or two of those on my story. I know you commented on one that you liked the angle of a particular thing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, man, I mean, I got layouts about a week ago. I'm getting pencils already. Will's cranking through them. I'm super excited. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, you know, speaking of lettering, I'll probably be lettering it at some point. Maybe, maybe if I plan it right, I'll be able to use that little dead time when I'm putting my novel on ice to go ahead and letter this. This. although the the harder part's going to be for me to fit it into kind of my my own release schedule you know but and you've talked about this before right like I believe you gave me the advice before like don't get too intimidated about releasing stuff close to each other in your timeline yeah right? didn't you say something like that mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's yeah. that's actually something I'm going to be going through I might be releasing the next issue of second shift November 1st on Kickstarter so mm. it's it's one of those things where I was basically waiting for this book to be done. It's like I can't do another Kickstarter when The previous one, people haven't gotten the rewards yet. It's just not right, uh, right in my estimation. So knowing now that everything's wrapped up, it's just like, okay, well, if I don't release this issue in November, I can't do it in December. It's not a good idea to do it in January. I did one in February this year. And it didn't reach the peaks that my other books normally do. Like this Drawtober one. Yeah, this, this this was released in November. It was done November to March. And the planning is poor on that because one, people are just really financially recovering from the holidays in February. And two, people's tax, re- tax returns happen in March. So yeah. do it in March. So it's like, okay, yeah. if I don't get this issue out in November, I will have to wait four more months. And that's not something I want to do. So it's just like, all right, well, it looks like I'm going to go full steam ahead on the lettering as quick as possible to make sure the book is done by the release date of the Kickstarter. So I can just say... The book is a hundred percent done. You will not be waiting for an exclusive cover. Here's all three covers. Here's them in all their glory. Pick which ones you want. Here's the tiers. So um, it's going to be uh, crunch time. These last. It's uh, as of this recording. It's October twentieth. So I have basically eleven days to finish the lettering and get that Kickstarter up and running. So we'll see how that goes. All right.
0: Yeah. yeah man yeah no nothing wrong with challenging yourself. yeah and it, it's interesting you say that because that's always been in the back of my head too, though not necessarily. I haven't formalized it in a while. but in a lot of ways that um, that reiterates why like you know if you put together what I'm saying, I have I have the ability to most likely have Kadoja Volume four number one completed by mid-December. but and and while I can complete, I mean from a Kickstarter standpoint, I probably, it doesn't matter whether I'm complete mid-December or mid-February, because I'm not going to do a Kickstarter until March, you know, for the same reason. And, uh, and then you think about the fact that I am most likely doing three protectors in the first quarter. That means I might even kick Kadoja Volume 1 back a little bit, because three protectors will most likely kind of funnel through, uh, you know, a uh, comic company where Kadoja is just going to be me. You know, because when it comes to single issues, I'm probably just going to do just small little Kickstarters for the Kadoja issue to get it out there to people who are interested. And Mm -hmm. again, based on, look, I will say this, this can change, but when we talk about, you know, listening back to the podcast from a couple weeks ago with, with Keith and, you know, like we talk about how we progress and how we feel about, you know, you were both complimenting each other on how your art styles had, had advanced. And uh, to see Kadoja Volume 4, Number 1, come back, I'm like, I, I think this is the best written issue I've ever done. Nice. Um, and obviously there's, there's plenty of room to grow. But uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I think that the, again, this is my favorite issue that I've ever written so far. That's awesome, and uh, and hopefully it just gets better and better, and uh, I'll be excited to share that down the road, and hopefully follow it up with issue two not too far in advance, because again, I'm the nice thing is that as I'm not doing kickstarters or anything, what I am doing is building up a buffer or you know of actually actual stuff. So, uh, so yeah, man, it's, it's going to be like, at some point, I'm just going to be releasing a whole lot of stuff that's done already. So, so pretty exciting times.
1: Yeah. You know, with releasing things, uh, back to back to back the here's the, here's my observation, uh, for me specifically, if there is a Kickstarter book and they release a lot of issues and the price point is fair, that's when I don't mind, but I have, not backed certain Kickstarters because it's like oh that oh you got you got another one already okay well that's cool but your price point is twenty dollars for a single issue and like that's after shipping obviously but that's still quite a bit um for my Kickstarters my single issues I keep them basically at cover price it's like well you're gonna pay five dollars for the single issue but you're also going to get the digital so that's another dollar right so that's that's six bucks. And then like $4 for shipping. So out the door, you're spending 10 bucks. And and if it, that's very reasonable in, in my estimation. So if, if there's a Kickstarter for a, a company and, and they're doing them pretty regularly, if it's in that price range, then I'm not going to mind. But I'm not going to do it if it's 20 bucks every time. It's just like, look, I want to support and I love supporting Kickstarter. You can look at my numbers. I think I've backed like 110, 100, 100 to 5, 110 uh, projects. So I'm, I'm, you know, up there as far as backing Kickstarters go and supporting, but it has to be at a fair amount. And unfortunately, I've just seen a trend of people going higher and higher. And so it's making me back less and less, unfortunately. So um, yeah. I think as long as you keep that at a reasonable rate, I think uh, people will return for them.
0: Cool, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that that's the hope. And the hope is that with each one, you maybe get a few more people interested in it, you know, or sometimes maybe more than a few. But uh, but yeah, man. So so cool stuff. So with that, I think it's time to go to our main topic, which uh, I didn't write down. And I think you have written down. So go ahead and, and shout it out.
1: Okay, so this week, we'll be tackling setting and world building.
0: yeah. Yeah, setting and world building. So since I'm the host, um, let's just, you know, we're just going to kind of rhyme off the dome and talk a little bit about it. What what would you like to lead off with? And then we'll just see where it goes from there.
1: Honestly, you're the one that came up with the topic. So I was curious what you had. Um, I know uh, yeah. I uh, like for Second Shift specifically, it's based in reality. So it's just like like it's, it's based out of San Diego. So like in this instance, I'm writing what I'm knowing. And then it's just like, okay, where do we go with the characters in this world? Um, What's the rest of the world? Like in comparison, Uh, are superheroes new? Are they like a brand new thing? Have they been around or is it the real world? And people are dealing with like, what the fuck? These people have powers, you know? So it's all about making those choices.
0: Mm -hmm. No, no, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's do a little exercise on our um, on a couple of our comics. So, let's continue with Second Shift. Okay. What are the answers to those questions for for Second Shift? It is it is San Diego, but I'm assuming it's a slightly, you know, how how superpowered is the world in Second Shift? I would
1: say it is very very not I wouldn't say common is the right word but it's definitely not uncommon so the world is familiar with it they're used to dealing with superpowered beings in general so like I would I would say just as much as like not as overrun as Marvel or DC but the Mm -hmm. way the the way the public uh, deals with it is is the same and it's just like okay okay, it's not it's not foreign to us but it's still it's still pretty weird um Mm -hmm. but but it's known to happen
0: Okay, let me let me ask a couple uh, dig questions here because I, I plan to answer these myself for Kadoja as well. Are, have you put any visual or or word cues in that let the reader know that this is different from the San Diego that they all know? Does that make sense? Have you put any reminders that like, ooh, this is an alternate world and this thing is telling me that? No, we actually keep it pretty clean. We put
1: a lot of San mm-hmm. Diego landmarks um, we've yep. put like Petco in the San Diego convention center, uh, where else Balboa, Balboa park where there's a lot of museums and stuff like that. So yep. all of those have taken place uh, in the second shift. And, uh, that's something I like to do. Uh, the San Onofre, the, you know, the power plant that's also been in there. And so, yeah. so I like to do that. I, I like to have people be reminded of San Diego. So like, if you're a local, and you see these landmarks, you, uh, landmarks you could kind of mark out at them. You're like, oh shit, yeah. there's that, you know. And um, I'll put like more obscure ones, like only San Diegans would know. Like there's a um, essentially a Jolly Bees in issue seven, but I have to change the name obviously and the mascot. And then right across from that Jolly, this is a national city. So right across from the Jolly Bees is an IHOP, and it's been there mm-hmm. for decades and mm-hmm. so that's like a i hob or something like that or i don't know right, or right. a high i hoff so i don't get sued right, right. right? um you know so I, I just do little things like that but it, it's pretty much the san diego that people know but it's just a world where superheroes are common
0: right and and by making those choices that's what you're conveying you know what i mean like like this is, you know, by making those choices, what you're conveying through your world building is that this is a world that this is our world, you know, it's just a tiny, tiny bit different. It's our exact world, you know, like the Sixers game is still on at five o'clock in this world, like it's on at our world, yeah. right? By doing all the things you're doing, what you're conveying is this is a world not very far removed from our own. It's intended to be our exact world. And those are the kind of choices that you if you're not consciously making at the world building stage you're unconsciously making them because you know that's why you kind of have to be conscious about it even if it appears that it's it, you're not putting any thought into it because if you want some World that's a that's more removed from our world than the one that Scott just described for Second Shift. You're going to have to put work in to make sure that that's conveyed to people so they can see it. You can't just know it. You have to let people see it and hear it. What I'm what I'm doing is same thing. It's a world very similar to ours. Let me let me go with a couple things that I've thrown in there. And the thing about throwing these things in there is I was so casual about it that it's just it's just accepted does that make sense so so thing number 1 is the towns are not the same name right the first kadoja uh the the big fight takes place in port emerald a fusion of portland and seattle right so Immediately, whether you whether you understand you know whether you understand my my terribly uh, what's it obvious reference or not, you at least understand that this is different, right? It's a little different because there are other times I believe I refer to California as California, Los Angeles as Los Angeles. So, you know, by doing that, you really let people know that this is a world that's close but not quite there. Um, and then the other thing that I did was, obviously, I created a, a military division called Special Weapons. It's the fifth branch of the United States military. So there, you know, again, you, you're, you're in a world like ours, but you're not all the way like ours, you know. And then the final thing that I did that was obvious is the person who becomes the replacement presidential press secretary is a noted demonologist, Hmm. everybody around, you know, like people are nonplussed about this, right? Because I didn't necessarily call it out in the script, but the fact that the, the presidential press secretary is a noted demonologist tells you that that is a, that is a, an occupation that people view as mainstream or at least accepted. It. It's not, it's not the fringe freak thing it is in the world that we are existing in right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. In that world, it's like, okay, if you if you see giant monsters coming from another dimension or, or wherever they come from, you have to believe in something like demonology. It's just like, yeah, OK, that, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: exactly. And and obviously part of the part of the uh, dynamic in Kadoja is the people who are demonologists have a higher level of belief than the common population. And so some people in the common population, they see these giant monsters and they go mad. Right. Which, you know, goes back to something I say at my table a lot when I was going into Kadoja. Right. Which is, you know, and maybe I've said it on this podcast, maybe not. But you see some of these old Godzilla movies and uh, and people are standing around and then a big ass monster comes out of the ground. And then some little kids like that's a big monster. I'm going to name it Barragon." Right. And it's kind of like yo motherfucker that's a big fucking monster you know like (laughs) like like, is anyone else not losing their mind right now you know so like that's that's the thing i was trying to convey there that like this is horrific guys you know like we need to run for our goddamn lives this is not like oh look at that thing here's my name for it do you want ice cream like godzilla and kong godzilla versus
1: kong Uh, where the little girl is just going up to Kong and like no one else is around. I'm like, are you fucking insane? Like at the, I don't care what you think their relationship is at the end of the day. It's still a massive animal that could kill her in like the blink of an eye. You know, obviously it didn't, but it's like, as a parent, you go, there's no fucking way. I'm going to let you out there by yourself, let alone out there at all. (laughs) So
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: And and honestly, this, so, so to the artists out there again, I I highly recommend writers because these these lines of questioning that Keith is coming up with um, it's something artists a lot of times don't think about this isn't stuff that artists have a tendency to naturally just go oh what else what else is going on like that's not what we do we just draw we draw shit like out of our imagination maybe you are creating a story as you go but not everyone does that I remember uh, when I first got connected with ed on this like we knew each other for for quite some years and we decided to tackle this together there was so many questions he was asking that i didn't have answers to and i had to sit and i had to think about it because it's something i never thought about the funniest one to me still to this day what's their last names yeah (laughs) and i was just like oh shit i created them in the seventh grade and i think at the time uh when we first started talking about comic books in general i think we were like you know, I was like 27, 28. So it was like yeah. quite some time had gone by and I still hadn't yeah. given them last, last names, you know. And, you right. know, after a while, you just got to go, okay, what are their last names? And you sit and you think about it. Actually, now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, I was closer probably to 30 when, when he yeah. ha- was asking me those questions. So, sure. uh, yeah. So, artist, get with a writer. Just just do it, okay? don't think. Yeah. Don't think you're above it. Don't think you have all the answers because you don't. I'm going to guarantee you that you don't.
0: You know, you mentioned something interesting there, which is if you're writing as you go along. So my short answer to if you're writing as you go along, don't. If you're writing as you go along, you're, you're already in trouble, right? Because because of what we said before. Number one, you need to have a plan. And if you want to work with a writer, you know, yeah, we, we obviously both support that. If you don't want to work with a writer, well, guess who the writer is? It's you, fool, right? So that mm-hmm. means you have to do the writer work. And the writer work involves constructing a world, which is what we're talking about right now. Don't, don't wing it as you go along, you know, in my head to take it back to the thing I was just talking about, write a novel month. If I, if I'm going to do write a novel month next year, you know, to, to Scott's point about pre-work, if I do write a novel month next year in November, then September and October are going to be nothing but character and world exercises for me. Because I need to be ready on day one to write that novel. I can't think about the world that the novel's in, you know? And in a lot of cases, that's the mistake I made with the novel I'm working on now. You know, like, I mean, sometimes we have to learn as we go along, you know? And and those are the lessons you remember. But trust me, when it comes time to write novel number two, you know, I'm going to be, by the time I get done with my first draft of novel number two, it's going to be the equivalent of being at the end of my third draft, which took about two, two and a half years, of novel number one,
1: yeah, and and going back to Drawtober really quick for for you guys out there that don't think that these artists do that for these Inktober's and these Drawtober's, I guarantee you that a lot of them are planning ahead. Uh, I bet you a lot of them are are potentially thumbnailing out every single day that they're going to be doing something. If they're creating their own prompt list, like I guarantee you that they've already thought ahead at what those prompts are going to be. So it's it's. Even, these, even as an artist, you got to plan ahead. Um, I was doing uh, some, some critique work with a young artist here in San Diego. He's, he always asks for my advice on his pages, and I always help him out to the best of my ability. I give him you know, as much knowledge as I have. And um, a lot of that work is it's pre-planned. You know, he's asking me, hey, how does this page look? And I'm like, okay, well, you have your directional devices all over the place. I was like, this panel is literally pl- pointing at the first panel, which directs the reader's eye, like, unconsciously back to the first panel. All these characters are p- literally pointing at it. And, right. and then you have this other character looking off the screen, but it's the middle fourth panel uh, on the right. So he's looking off panel to to his right which he should be at least looking down the opposite way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's just yeah. these these little cues that you do and 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 those should all be done in in the thumbnail process. So yeah. uh, as an artist, yeah, yeah, it is art and you can get away with not doing those things, but it helps in the planning stage to just plan for that stuff. And everything will move smoothly, as opposed to him now going back and reworking it. You know, if he decides to take my notes, and I always let artists know. It's just like, look, here, here are my notes, and here's what I see. These, what I'm talking about right now, is more advanced storytelling than than uh, the average. The average artist right like Mm -hmm. if you're just getting in and no one's helping you and you haven't really read much critiques and and you're not going to know this stuff just offhand you're not going to know it this is a deeper level of thinking about your comics page and so you know i even said to him let me know on the level of critiques because he asked me a question he goes well don't the don't the balloons help the, the direction, don't they They also help direct the eye as to what where to go to next? And I said, well, that's a completely different part of the process. That's a completely different thing. Your page right now is unlettered. So all of those directional devices that I just talked about, it's all a problem, isn't it? I'm like, when you get it lettered, yeah. And I'm like, here's the other thing. A lot of artists don't do that. A lot of people don't know about the directional devices if they're just going along. But as American comic book readers, we know to start at the top left, go to the right. Then you go uh, down to the middle panels to the left, go to the right, so on and so forth, right? That's natural. So... Technically, you don't need these directional devices. It's just a higher level of detail. It's a higher level of thinking when it comes to your art. So it's just like, how proficient do you want to be and how high of a level do you want to be? You know, this goes with writing, like world building, this world building, this this is, It's it, it's kind of hand in hand in the sense that this is a deeper level of thinking about comic books. Like you're going to have the answers Uh, to these questions when they come about you know if you're thinking ahead if you if you do the same thing that like I was doing without a writer and asking me what the character's last name is at the art table you know at a convention it'll look like a dickhead because I don't have the answers to that so but when when you have writers thinking at a higher level than you as a writer artist you're gonna go oh yeah I I didn't even think about that because that's not Mm -hmm. in the forefront of our minds
0: yeah Yeah. So, I mean, let's just I think we'll wrap up a little bit of the world building thing. Um, Maybe maybe we can just bounce a few ideas back here on some good questions to ask yourself in in the world building phase. Right. Which is so, you know, what are what is the backstory of all your lead characters? Um, You know, and it's not important to know necessarily what their favorite flavor of bagged chips are. Right. Like that's people talk about how like, oh, you need to know that ah you sort of do and you sort of don't. What you need to know is the main motivations. Right. What makes them tick? What do they want? You know, and uh, and, and and what are what are the the things that came before them that influence their wants and their drives? Right. But in terms of the world, how close or far from our current reality is it? And, and why are you making that choice? How do you convey that when you go forward? Um, you know, what, what are, are it, it, since most of us are writing comics that have some degree of fantasy to them, you need to think about that fantasy, you know, whether it's, it's magic. I think we, we touched on this before, whether it's magic, it's horror, it's superheroes. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some other ones. Science. That's another great one. You know, like how, what, what roles do these things all play and how do those mechanisms work? You know, how does the science work? How does the, how does your magic work? How does the horror work? And how does that impact the people in the world? And what do they know about that, right?
1: Yeah, and to your point about the character stuff, like their favorite bags of chips, like if, if you go through the stuff that Keith just mentioned, like their motivations, their wants, their desires, all of that, eventually those are just going to come as well. You're gonna you're gonna round this character out so much that you go, yeah, it's obviously barbecue. He loves right. barbecue flavored chips. The more you right. know about that character, the more th- those things, the palette of the character, their uh, their favorite comedian, their favorite like style of music. The more you develop that character, all of that stuff will come naturally. You you go, oh, this is his favorite style of music, and you're like, yeah, obviously that makes sense, mm-hmm. right?
0: Exactly. And, and when you do that work, you know, this goes back into that, that time that I uh, spent when I kind of worked on my novel without touching my novel, where I just did character writing for a couple months, you know, because what you're going to find is you set out, and, and this is with world building too, just set out to do the important details of the world, you know, and when you set out to do the important details and important information of the world, then what's going to happen is when it's time for you to get back in there and write the real story, the real comics, whatever, that world is just going to speak to you like Scott is saying, you know, because because you thought it and you saw it again. I, I, I referenced this once before on a podcast, you know, sometimes you write scenes that don't exist or you draw things that that aren't even going to make your final comic simply to see what they would look like right? Or mm-hmm. simply to see how that incident unfolded. It's one thing to talk about the incident when you ate the hot dog at the ballpark and got sick, okay? It's another to actually write it. Because if you write that, then you're going to know those little details, right? Uh, to, I'm paraphrasing. There's a funny story in the movie Go, right? From from way back that talks about this. But like, those are the kind of things you know, because now you've seen it in real time. And that means that you can reference it in in the actual meat of whatever you're making.
1: Yeah, and, and those details that you, you will have. So I will say that the one, I mean, beyond them ha- not having last names, these characters in the second shift were fully formed people. Like I, I had uh, Ed and a, another guy that I, I, I used to hang out with. I had them both tackle uh, the second shift at the same time. And it was like, okay, here's their character profiles. Here's what they like, here are their wants, their desires, their likes, their dislikes, what their ambitions are, all of that shit. I had all of that because in my mind, they were people. Mm -hmm. So I was able to hand that to them and Ed came back. I was like, put him in a diner talking. And Ed came back with this amazing, amazing scene because he was writing a story with my characters that sounded like my characters that I didn't know about i was like oh they're having a conversation i've never heard this conversation i didn't mm-hmm. have because i didn't have it in my own head since i was the one creating them so to be able to read dialogue from my characters that sounded exactly like them um was amazing to me and it's that it's that extra work it was the the work that i had put in prior to these to have these characters be who they were that ed goes like as a writer he goes okay, cool. I know who these people are. I, I get yeah. it. And, uh, you know, he knocked it out of the park and, and honestly, ever since then, it's just like, he's just got them down. He just knows who they are
0: as people. Yep. And, and you know, again, if, if you, uh, I like, I'm, I'm kind of ramming off the dome here, but in terms of world building, you know, like, again, what, what we're talking about is you just make them have dinner. That's never going to show up, but it's important because it helps you learn. So if you have a world you want to learn about, I don't know, do a newscast, right? Uh, do a, do a typical day in the city, you know, follow four different people in whatever locale, sorry, city, country, po- post-apocalyptic wasteland, what whatever thing you're going to be and just pick a few people and, and write what their day is like, you know, and, uh, and you'll teach yourself a lot about the world and you'll also teach yourself what you don't know about the world and what you need to fill in. You, the
1: uh, fun fact, that story, uh, with the characters in the diner, It actually takes place right before page one of uh, the very first issue of Second Shift, because the very first issue starts off with the main villain uh, in a diner. And then so in that script, the characters have the meal and then they leave and then the main villain enters the diner. And then that's actually Mm. where we start the story. So that's like a fun little a fun little thing that, uh, you know, may or may not ever show up. But, uh, you know, maybe one day it will. Maybe I'll be like, hey, I feel like drawing that, you know, and uh, put
0: it in a hardcover or something like that. Who knows? Totally. Totally. So anyway, I mean, I I think we we at least tackled world building and it turned out we went on a couple diversions that I think all kind of dovetail nicely in there. So hopefully that helps. Um, Again, if you have any questions or follow ups, hit us up. And of course, we have the email making comics podcast at Gmail. And uh, yeah, let us know if there's anything you think we're missing, because we might just uh, tackle it on a, on a future podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's tons of stuff in that area that people want to know about. Um, artists, artists, writers, upcoming writers. So yeah, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that people want to know more about. I feel like we just kind of, we touched the edge of it. I think we just got a little bit of that. But uh, yeah. if you want us to expand, if you have stuff specifically that you want us to talk about, um, let us know.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that is what we're trying to do, right? With, with these topics of the week, we start, we started big and now we're getting kind of mid size, and we're just going to pick some topics that we think are interesting to talk about. And sometimes those really fine tuned ones can, uh, can yield like full good conversations. So yeah, hit it, hit us up um, whenever. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, man? As far as making comics,
1: I think we covered what we needed to cover, but uh, I, I'm going to say, uh, we're, all right, so I'm going to... Number one, super quick, because I know you guys don't want to hear about this. Uh, Russell Westbrook looks awful. And uh, all of my concerns are still there. But the hope is he'll get it together as the season goes on. So I'll leave that there. And um, I still wanted Buddy Heald or Lonzo, but it is what it is. And uh, uh, I'll say I'm on a self-imposed uh, eBay hiatus. I have... Picked up a couple of auctions that I, number one, I thought one was a uh, an okay deal. I was like, this is all right. It checked some some books off of my list. I have some X Men first appearances storylines that I wanted. This auction got those. Um, they came in terrible condition. They were in such awful condition. Like, I the auction did say they were reader copies, but holy cow, it was like, I don't know, man. It was like. He dumped water on them and then crumpled them and then they just looked like, awful. And I was like, like I, ass
0: wipe copies, basically.
1: Dude, they are brutal. So that was one thing. And another another one was a Thor run that I was like, I'm willing to go to this amount and I want it for like five bucks under that amount, but I misread the shipping and I thought it was 995 for the shipping. I'm like, okay, that's like twelve bucks, ten bucks, okay, that's that's cool. No problem there. It's twenty dollars. And so it was just like, what the fuck? This was, no, this was a terrible deal. So it's like back-to-back auctions that I feel like I got burned. Um, and uh, I'm I'm done for now. I, I just, I need to chill out. Christmas is coming. I don't need to be doing this. And uh, those two, two auctions left a bad taste in my mouth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of on a similar place, although I got there differently. I think I think I shared on the podcast that I did in fact grab that copy of Sandman one. Although as we record this, the goddamn thing has been hung up at a post office for four days. So oh. uh, so we'll see. Your boy might get his money back and get no Sandman one at this rate. But, oh no! Um,
1: Let's hope that doesn't happen.
0: I I hope I hope it shows up. But anyway, so I'll keep that out. But like I sort of reached the spot where I'm I'm you know. Fading out of eBay right now for for retro comics, only because there's just, there's nothing on my list that is, oh my God, I really want this. Um And as a result, I don't want to spend money that's not, you know, for stuff that I'm not completely in love with, you know, right. so you know it's it's an easy thing to get get caught up on deals and again you know like you you forwarded me an auction last night this is how i found out about it and you were like yeah i have a self imposed hiatus but you should check this out so i did check it out i told you that i would wait around till the end and just pump in a a ridiculously low bid and i put in a low bid and it lost by $15 so that's fine that i i bid what i was willing to pay it's kind of like sometimes when you go shopping you know, and and I mean, maybe you're looking for a shirt or, or books or records or something. And you're just like, you know, you can tell that you're predisposed to not get anything because a deal is going to have to be so good for you to buy something that deal probably doesn't exist. And that's pretty much where I am on eBay right now, um, though. I do want to mention that I got a sweet, sweet uh, collection of comics from Midtown that should be showing up in a week or two. I got 68 comics. Oh, and, wow. Um, Now, now most of them were a dollar, right? I did have a few current comics that I needed to, uh, that I just needed to get. Like, so for example, there's a comic out there called, I think it's called Made in Korea. And I never got. Oh, I never got that one. It's a good book, man. I like I like Made in Korea. I read the first one and it was it, it's it's got a lot of iRobot vibes, you okay. know. Uh, again, and not and another book that's similar to that is called Not All Robots, which I like. Again, kind of a a future robot state type of book. So uh, anyway, yeah, Made in Korea is quite good. And, okay. Uh, I I couldn't get hold of issue two, but Midtown had issue two, so that had been in my cart for like four weeks. Okay. And then I had a few others that I had missed at my comic shop. Or that weren't part of my holds, and I hadn't gone in in a while and missed out on them, and then uh, and then there was this sale where they just had, you know. 60 to 75 percent off all these old back issues and so i took the better part of like three days to craft a cart so what happened is i kind of started by thumbing through the sale pages but if i remember right there were nine thousand five hundred books to look through (laughs) and uh and i got about 10 pages in so i got about a thousand in and this was over the course of a day and i was like you know this is just too many fucking books for me to scroll through i'm making myself nauseous and uh so then what i did was i looked at my cart and i said no no, this isn't, this isn't good enough. You know, when I look at the totality of this order, it's not something I want to spend money on. But then I had, I think I had the idea of like, well, I'm on a huge Sandman run just for the hell of it. Do they have Sandman? I look it up. They have like this huge run of Sandman. Now, I don't know if it was technically part of the sale and even would have showed up. But the thing about Midtown is they, a lot of their copies, they're in multiple conditions. Mm-hmm. So they have they have 20-year-old Sandman comics. And uh, and I got a really nice run of, like, $1.50 Sandmans. Nice. Like, like, 50 through 70, essentially. I mean, maybe a few less than that. But, I mean, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then that triggered, why don't I just look through all of the comics that I'm interested in reading or picking up right now mm-hmm. and, uh, and see what they have? And damn it if they didn't have, let's see, they had the Sandman. They had... Uh, They had a couple Spider-Mans that I thought were interesting. They had uh, FF, which is the Mike Allred derivative of what's it called? Future Force or something like that. The Fantastic Four offshoot. Mm -hmm. They had like... Five of the six issues that I was missing in my run. Nice. And then they also had the related book because there were parallel books at the same time, which was the Fantastic Four written at the same time. They had most of those, too. And it was like they have all these books. So I am really this is the first time I've been this excited to get these books because there are so many, you know, run fillers of books that I am just totally all over right now so yeah man i mean it took me again back as background stuff it took me like four days to craft this damn cart which was good because the sale lasted like five you know but uh but yeah man so cool stuff and it'll be showing up in a week or two
1: yeah and i think that got triggered um i sent you my list from midtown i was like oh just picked up these books they're 65 75 percent off back issues and i sent you my list And, Mm -hmm. uh, it was like, I got some TMNT. I got, I think I might've got a couple of Savage Dragons maybe. And, uh, just a couple of other stuff, maybe some Batman. I don't know. I was, I've been looking for specific issues. I finally am getting off my ass and, and getting this Tinian, uh, Jimenez run. And mm-hmm. so it might've been some of that, but I think I, I think I might've spent 35 bucks, 35 to 40 bucks in back issues. And I was pretty happy with all the prices that I got on those as well. It was like, yeah. I think buck and a quarter or something like that. And it's just like, mm-hmm. Hey, that's, that's not too shabby. I, I haven't found those in the back issue bins at SoCal. So uh, if I can't get them there, I might as well pay the extra quarter. No big deal.
0: Exactly. exactly. Yeah, man. So anyway, so all right, well, that's so we're and I think we're both in the same spot on eBay for a while. So it'll be interesting to see <laughs> yeah. how it uh, how, how it all, you know, w- when we return to it, uh, whenever that is. But uh, but in the meantime, so for social media, you can find me at Keith underscore decibel on Instagram. And then for Kadoja, that, you know, so that's all things Keith. And then for Kadoja, yeah. I have the at Kadoja Kaiju. That's all one word. And that is specifically Kadoja focused.
1: Are, do you still, are you still have uh, Twitter?
0: Are you still on Twitter? I mean, I have a Twitter thing that I barely use. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I've been yeah. tagging you on Twitter. Under, I think it's, I think it's Keith, that Keith underscore Decibel on Twitter as well. I'm pretty uh, sure I harmonized uh,
1: Oh, them. okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, I've been tagging you with the uh, at Kadoja. It's just Kadoja. Okay. Yeah, yeah just one that's word. Fine. So. That's fine. Um, that's there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you can find me at Scott Lost on Twitter and Instagram, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost.
0: Yeah, and for websites, I have KeithRFoster.com. There are blog posts there. There is information on Kadoja. There's some information there on me and some cool art as well, as well as the Kadoja web store. And Kadoja is a darker version of a giant, the the darkest version you can think of, of a giant monster movie or book uh, with heavy influences of H.P. Lovecraft stirred in.
1: And you could find my comics, The Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, and Wanderers of Milosonda, anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans at accidentalaliens.com. Um, I also have a couple of other titles where I have stories in there: Tales from the Mothership and uh, Accidental Alien Anthology 2018 and 19 are also available. those have uh, uh, Wanders of Milosonda. I think 2019 is the is a horror one, and that's the. Origin of the kaiju that appears in second shift number seven. And that's a fun little story. I did that one all myself. Black and white zippa tones has a nice cool throwback vibe to it. So check those books out. Uh me and Keith, we do not have a Patreon. You can support us by picking up those books. Christmas is coming. Do you know people that like comic books? Uh buy them some comics. Buy yourself some
0: comics. Screw it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's how Christmas works. That's why stores want Christmas season to be as long as possible because mm-hmm. it doesn't change the amount of gifts anyone buys it changes the amount you buy for yourself that's right, right. so so anyway um, so making comics podcast at gmail.com which we talked about earlier hit us up with something there and do not forget to give us a wonderful review on any podcast place that does it but specifically it's Apple Podcasts where I think the ratings are there the most um, yeah hit us up five stars talk about how much you love it and, and go from there so with that said Uh, yeah, man. Another week in the books, brother. So, you know the deal. I will see you next week. See you next week. Yay, yay.